I think uh, adoption was just sort of like, here's your life. This is your life. Privilege and education and things that wouldn't have been available to me in the same way in Guatemala. Um, but that what's done is done. This is it. Gemma Gibbons was adopted from Guatemala in 1990 when she was four months old. Her mom, Melinda, was a graduate student at Berkeley at the time. So all I knew about her birth mother at that point was from a social worker's report that the lawyer had given me a copy of. I knew that she had uh, left her village to work in Guatemala City as a domestic. She was separated from her husband. She had other kids. Her husband was not Gemma's father, so... Uh, that was about all I knew, and at that time, it was very common not to know much about the birth mother's circumstances. Melinda had a simple story that she would tell Gemma about her adoption. And the story was Gemma needed a mom, and I needed a child, and so we found each other. And it was sort of like a, a glossing over of the sadder part of her story, of course, which is that her birth mother um, doesn't have her. The fact that I have her means that someone else doesn't have her. And... Um, I didn't think that was anything that you needed to inflict on a on a small child. So it was it was um, a good enough story for a while. But as Gemma grew older, it wasn't enough. And maybe Gemma says it never really was. It just felt as if I was in a movie, but we had skipped some parts. I hadn't seen the beginning yet. I felt like I was foundationless or I was floating, or I was a ghost, or I was a genetic isolate, which in a way, I was. There was nobody else around me to inform me of things we take for granted every day. Whose face do I have? Why am I so short? Um, why is my hair so thick? I can't do anything with it and nobody cuts it right. Um, on good days, I felt super proud and entitled and arrogant about that. Like, there's no one like me. And on the worst days, I felt cripplingly depressed because I'm all alone in the world. You know, I'm, of course, I'm surrounded by love and family and friends. And, but in, in a really existential way, I'm al completely alone. Gemma wanted answers about who her mom was and why she gave her up. It would lead Gemma to Guatemala City, where she would begin to uncover mysterious details surrounding her adoption that were more common than she ever imagined. And now, at 28, Gemma works at International House at UC Berkeley. It's a program center and campus residence for students from around the world that promotes intercultural experiences and leadership skills. It was here that Gemma would tell her personal story of struggle, heartbreak, and acceptance in public for the very first time. This is Fiat Vox, a Berkeley News podcast. I'm Ann Bryce. In 2011, as an undergraduate student at UC Santa Cruz, Gemma enrolled in a study abroad program through the University of Arizona, where she and a group of students traveled to Guatemala City. Why did you go? What was your purpose? To find my mom. Oh, okay. A hundred percent. 
Gemma knew what she wanted, but she didn't know a lot of other things. First of all, she didn't really know how to speak Spanish very well. She also didn't know if her mother would want to see her. If I had a child now who I had adopted and who was doing all this, that would not be acceptable at all to me. That A, that they had to do this by themselves. B, that they weren't emotionally prepared for all uh, options, which there is a freaking spectrum of what a searching adoptee can hope to find by meeting their family. She definitely didn't feel prepared for what she found out. When Gemma got to Guatemala City, she knew a few details about her mom. Like, she knew that her name was Esther Yaqui and that she was from Santiago, a small town near Guatemala City. In talking to her host parents, Gemma found out that they had a cousin who worked in Santiago. Their cousin asked around about Esther and soon set up a meeting for Gemma at the town hall. This would be the biggest moment of her life, thought Gemma. And she didn't know what to wear. What do you wear to meet your mother for the first time in your life as an, a young adult? She didn't want to seem flashy or like she was showing off. But she also wanted to show that she cared, that it was a big deal to her. So what did you end up wearing? <laughs> I ended up wearing just a random sweater that I got at the, the Pacas, which is like the secondhand chain store in Guatemala, um, and jeans. There she was sitting with her host family on a bench in the town hall in Santiago, jumping out of her skin as she waited for her mom to walk through the door. Every single woman that came in, I was like, is that my mom? Is that my mom? Is that my mom? Then three women walked in with the vice mayor, Reginaldo Peck. Everyone starts talking and I, I can't, which one is my mom? Which one is my mom? Um... And then finally someone's like, e, e Esther? And Esther? Where is she? Um, and they both, both of the women go, oh, Se murió! She died. Her mom had died. Just a few years before. Gemma couldn't hear anything anyone said after that. My deepest goal that I had had up until that moment was to meet my mom and to to just see her face, you know, just confirm my existence, you know, confirm that I am indeed real. So now, what did she have? What could she do to find a connection to the place that she was from? How could she still get to know her mom, even though she was gone? Instead of giving up and going back home defeated, Gemma became determined to find out everything she could about Esther Yaki. The three women who had come to the town hall were Esther's family members, her sister Noemi, her sister-in-law Maria, and her cousin Glendy. After they met Gemma at the town hall, they brought her to see her mom's unmarked gravesite. If it had just been me there, I would have dug her up. That's how primal the urge was to see and touch and just, you know, acknowledge my mother. 
Then they took Gemma to meet her grandma, Eusebia. The women told Gemma little details about her mom, that she loved to smile and laugh. And Gemma learned that no one in the family had known about her. Her mom hadn't told anyone that she'd given birth to Gemma. Gemma needed to know more. She looked for documents that could give clues about who her mom was, birth certificates, adoption papers, just anything she could get her hands on. In her research, Gemma discovered that her mom was working as a live-in maid at her employer's house in Guatemala City while she was pregnant with Gemma. And her mom was Kakshikel, indigenous Mayan from central Guatemala, so she might not have spoken much Spanish. Her signature on my forms is her thumbprint. We have to look at, like, were, was everybody an equal partner in, this, in these discussions, in this tr- transaction? The more that Gemma learned about her mom and her own adoption, the more she learned about the dark history of intercountry adoption in Guatemala. In 1990, when Gemma was adopted, only about 250 Guatemalan children were adopted by families in the United States. But as time went on, intercountry adoption in Guatemala became a booming and increasingly corrupt business. By 2007, more than 4,700 Guatemalan children were adopted by U.S. families, second only to China. Most international adoptions from Guatemala went through private attorneys who would handle both sides of the adoption without oversight or review by a judge or social service agency. Unknown to the adoptive parents, these attorneys would use all sorts of tactics to acquire Guatemalan children for adoption, from buying and kidnapping kids to defrauding and coercing women to give their babies up. Adoption in Guatemala at the time, at the end of the day, was an industry. It was a business. As a, as a business, there, there were doctors, nurses, lots of people involved in, oh, your baby's dead. No, you can't see them. Um, and then somehow we end up in Montreal or France or Israel or Belgium. Some young pregnant women were told they could stay in so-called maternity homes for free in exchange for light housekeeping. But once they gave birth, their benefactors would present them with a bill for prenatal expenses, which would be waived if the new mother gave her baby up for adoption. Although Gemma says she'll never know for sure what her mother's situation was, she feels like she knows enough, at least for now. And perhaps the biggest gift that she's gotten from all of this, she says, was getting to know her younger brother, Marvin. That was really what I, my heart was searching for, was that close of a connection. And he became my, my little son. He still is. He's like 22 now. I'm 28. And I treat him like he's three years old because he's honestly like the closest thing I have to, you know, till I have my own children. In January 2008, intercountry adoption closed in Guatemala. It came after mounting international pressure pushed the country to become party to the Hague Convention on Protection of Children and Cooperation in Respect of Intercountry Adoption. It's an international agreement to safeguard intercountry adoptions. 
after her study abroad program ended, Gemma went back to the Bay Area for a little while and then bought a one-way ticket to Guatemala City, where Marvin lived, and where her mom, Esther, had been working before she died. Gemma spent the next year teaching English and living as a local, riding her bike through the city, getting to know Marvin, and learning what her mom's day-to-day life was like. I learned to appreciate what her social sphere probably looked like. And I think I got to know some of it myself too, um, from the person who sells you your clean water canister refills, um, to the person who does laundry, or the, the local market people. I think, yeah, just to walk a mile in her shoes, you know. I accept it now. I accept, um, accept, forgive, whatever words one might need to hear to, like, how do you feel about being adopted now? I accept it, and on her behalf, approve of it um, for what I what it's helping me do now for others. Gemma would go on to start a group that would bring together hundreds of Guatemalan adoptees from around the world. It would become a community where Gemma would finally feel like she fit in. In 2012, Gemma had graduated from college and was back in the Bay Area, feeling lost. And I remember coming back home, but sitting on my mom's couch thinking like, is that it? Is that really it? Like that whole thing just happened and there's no one to talk about it with. And um, it it was a really lonely time. So Gemma decided to create a place where Guatemalan adoptees, like herself, could find a kind of home. It's called Next Generation Guatemala. It's an online community for people involved in Guatemalan adoption. Embracing that there's an entire generation of us, about like 50,000 at least, who were born during the years of like 1960 to 2007 and internationally adopted all over the world. Um, And so as one group, we're we're a whole different generation of Guatemalan citizens, international Guatemalan citizens. It's a place where the group can talk about their experiences, thoughts, feelings, and adoption stories with supportive people who understand what they're going through. It's a community that Melinda hopes gives her daughter the feeling of belonging that she's been searching for. Gemma's group, I think, is wonderful because I think it makes it possible to integrate these two worlds that these kids have and that the families have. And I'm hoping that it makes this divide between the before and after, the past and present, less drastic and traumatic and more like a normal variation in a human story. At Berkeley's International House, Gemma manages the Host Family Program, which helps ease the transition of international students to the U.S. and Bay Area. Gemma says working with students who are from all different countries, speak different languages, and practice different faiths has helped her to become a better leader for her community of next-generation Guatemalans. You have Irish Guatemalan, Israeli Guatemalan, um, Swedish, Danish, all these different countries with with a Guatemalan experience hyphenated onto it. And uh, yeah, bringing them all together under one one group through this experience has been incredible. 
several members from the group have reunited with their families in Guatemala. Gemma even accompanied one woman to offer moral support when she met her family for the first time. And the group has coordinated meetups across the country for adoptees to come together. It's an experience that Gemma says feels like a family reunion. I think it's just it just feels free. There's this basic foundational understanding that either comes from time invested, you know, knowing someone since they were really young, or um, or just we've been through the same thing. We get each other. That allows you to just be yourself. Last March, more than 20 members of Next Generation Guatemala joined up for a three-day visit in Washington, D.C. For one of the icebreaker activities, the group mixed all of their baby photos together and then went around the room trying to match each photo to the right person. Growing up, I would look back at my childhood photos and baby photos and just get incredibly sad. I couldn't necessarily tell you why. Maybe there's some shared sadness about like what someone else lost for me to be here. Um, my own remembering of how lonely I used to feel about like, what even is this? You know, like what, who am I? I don't know. After everybody was matched with their photos, they placed them all together on a big Guatemalan flag. It hit me just like as I was leaving the meetup, but like how profound that was. It's like they've returned in some way to to each other, maybe not to the country quite yet, but they've all come together and found each other, like which which gave my my baby photo with all these other baby photos new new meaning that wasn't sad, you know. For whatever someone's loss may have been, it's like it was redeemed or given new purpose and that that made me really happy. Last year, Gemma shared her personal story with fellow staff at a storytelling series called What Matters Most, hosted by iHouse's Center for Intercultural Leadership. It was the first time that she shared her story in front of people outside of her adoptee community. The support that she received from the staff was overwhelming, she says. It would inspire her to keep sharing her story in hopes that it will continue to bring people together and build a greater understanding about her community of next-generation Guatemalans. You can learn more about Next Generation Guatemala on facebook.com slash nextgenguate, spelled N-E-X-T-G-E-N-G-U-A-T-E. You can find more information about UC Berkeley's International House at ihouse.berkeley.edu. I'm Ann Bryce, and this is Fiat Vox, a Berkeley News podcast. You can read a transcript of this episode and see photos of Gemma and her family on the Berkeley News podcast page at news.berkeley.edu slash podcasts.